in a world where... Nah, this ain't that kind of podcast. Let's be honest, the world doesn't need another podcast where we ask the same old questions to the same successful people. You're listening to the Profit and Impact Podcast with Nev Harris. Grab a seat at the table as Nev and his guests dig into the challenges that successful agencies and freelancers have overcome to achieve their success. There's no script, and Nev's insatiable curiosity and ADD can take the conversation anywhere. So let's get real and have some honest talk, lots of laughs, and some helpful insights into what it really takes to create more profit and impact in your business. Hey, we're back with another episode of Profit and Impact. My guest today is Victor Ramirez. Victor, he's, he's a great guy. He's always willing to help out people. I've met him before at like a word camp, and I'm just so excited to have him come on here. And I think he could really give some insight into how we could go about, you know, recession-proofing our business like we were just talking about in the pre-show interview. So Victor, he is an abstract agency, and I love that name. It's just an abstract agency is the name of this company. It's so cool. And it's a WordPress-focused marketing agency out of New York City. So, Victor, say hello. Hey, how's it going? This is fantastic here. It's actually a sunny day in Pittsburgh, which is a shock. Yeah, it's nice and thunderstorms here in New York City. So, so we're going to say so what you're saying is my sunny day is going to be over in about three hours. <laughs> yeah. Is that yeah. how the weather travels? Exactly. So, Victor, let's dig right in then, because you were telling me that, you know, when you were in school and we had the, the, the two blows from the recessions in the early 2000s. Well, why don't, you, why don't you share that story with the audience? Yeah. So I've, I've always been like, you know, someone who dabbles in computers. Like as a kid, I was like the guy who sent an email newsletter for a birthday invite at 12 and people printed it out and put it on the fridge because this is 24 years ago. So people were like, oh, wow. He like sent an email newsletter. And then I was always doing stuff and when I, my senior year of high school, I got an internship in New York City at what is now a large agency called Fuzz Productions in New York. They work with like Shake Shack and a bunch of big brands. And I was like, I'm not even going to go to college. You know, this was like <laughs> 2000 before 9-11 and like the startup industry was doing really well. And I'm like, I'm going to go work for this Fuzz Productions company. And then 9-11 happened. The startup bubble popped, was just a calamity. And I kind of like, floated around, tried going to college, and I got into the bar business and I was working in bars and nightclubs. And I was doing, the way I fell into that was I was doing marketing for them. And then I would end up being, you know, hey, we don't, not only are we not good at marketing, we are not a higher bartender. (laughs) So I, you know, okay, let's, let's see how we can figure that out. Then again, you know, 2008 rolled around and there was a whole nother, you know, recession. And, you know, I kind of thought to myself, I need to recession proof what I do. And so I think it was around like 2010, 2000, anywhere between 2010, and 2012, I was working for bars and nightclubs here and where I'm now based in New York city. And, you know, we would pay people for a website and it just never was never really well done, but I saw the checks that these people were getting or charging. And I was like, man, I could do a better job. Why don't you guys fire me and I'll do your website. <laughs> and I became the web guy for this one club and, and it, and it rolled from there and the technology there, they were using was WordPress and that's how I fell into WordPress uh, because I, uh, we had paid someone to use it and we had a great WordPress meetup here in New York city, which now I'm a co-organizer of WPMYC. Um, and I found that WordPress was like something I could really, you know, 
recession proof myself where no matter, Hey, like whether I'm working for a bar, whether I'm working, you know, um, for like a tech company, like this, this skill of understanding technology and being able to put things on the web was something that was like recession proof. Like no matter what economy ebbs and flows, I'm still going to need, you know, that skill set and people are going to be willing to pay for it. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So let's just jump in a tangent real, real quick here. You, you mentioned WordPress, a New York City meetup. That, that must be pretty cool. That must be a pretty big meetup, huh? Yeah, so it's been, it's been going on, I think, for almost 15 years. This guy, Steve wow. Bruner, runs it. Uh, he's been running for 15 years. He's We've never, except for with the current state, I don't think we've had missed a meetup. We, it's the third Tuesday every month. And it, it was really great, and they were really welcoming. And then I just volunteered to speak, and you know, I shared some ideas. And then I became a co-organizer. And it's exciting because we have, we have 7,000 members. Obviously, that's a big number. I would, it might be the biggest... Wow. It might be the biggest, but again, New York City is a transient city. So at any time we might have like 500 active members and it's always ebbing and flowing, but we're very lucky. We have a, which, you know, for visitors, for me, it's old hat, but we do have a, our normal space is in Microsoft Times Square. So we get to use a 150 person conference space in the middle of Times Square. When you come to our meetup and you come to speak, you literally walk, get off the train or the bus in the middle of Penn Station or Port Authority, walk upstairs and you see like all the shining lights and you walk into the Microsoft Center and that's our meetup. And Ah. I forget how like, you know, for me, it's like, oh, another shining light. It's New York. But, you know, it is an exciting experience and it's really cool. It's a really cool pin in my hat when I leave the city. Uh, but it, and it's been great too, because we have attracted, you know, June Borge, Matt Mullenweg, some of the biggest people in WordPress have spoken at our events. Yeah, it's exciting. Oh, so cool. So cool. I just, I think I want to come to a WordPress meetup when I'm in New York City, just to see that, just to see what you're describing there. That sounds pretty yeah. damn cool. Yeah. <laughs> so have you done anything virtually? Have you, have you switched over to virtual? Have you been having virtual? Like- yeah, so that was the first thing that we had to figure out was how to continue our meetups. Originally, our WordPress meetup group had three to four meetups a month. We had the regular meetup, which is the third Tuesday every month. That's organized by Steve Bruner, and I do the, I'm the video guy. I bring the camera. We record all of our meetups, so if anyone after this wants to check them out, uh, it's WPNYC.org. And we try to record all of them with a super simple kit. I just bring an iPhone and like a little stand and an external microphone. And it's great. So when we transitioned to virtual, besides that regular, that event was easy to switch over. The harder event to switch over to, which I was really great that again, myself, I'm entrepreneurial, Steve Bruner's entrepreneurial. We switched to virtual and we immediately were like, how do we do this? And that one was easy to switch. The other one that we haven't figured out was we do a twice a month help desk. And there's a Brooklyn help desk and there is a Manhattan help desk. And that's something that's hard to translate online because the way the help desk works is it is one, you know, like one person who facilitates it or two people, you know, co-organizers, but it's all volunteers round table going around and helping each other with their individual WordPress problems. And one of the problems we've had now is some of the people that are in WordPress, they might have an old laptop that they can't even install WordPress locally. They can't use Zoom. They can't use uh, Microsoft Teams. And so we still haven't figured that out yet. So that's very difficult. Like we can't do that ver- that help desk. That was really, you know, some people need that kind of like, you know, we do get the great thing about the WordPress help desk as well is we do get, you know, I've had someone who is like one woman, she is a retired HR person and she is building a WordPress website to show the world her late brother's art, art gallery, you know, her artwork. And what's huh. so amazing about that is like, we don't make any money off that. 
she'll never be a client for me, but it's like, you know, hits you in the good feel goods of, Hey, I'm helping the community. But you know, I know her name's Aurelia Santiago. She hasn't, you know, she hasn't been to any of our online meetups because I know Aurelia, she's not very tech savvy. Right. And so, and so that's like the one thing that I think like, you know, not everyone has the same equity or access to the technology. And it's been kind of, that's the one thing we're trying to figure out. And like, maybe we need to figure out how to make it interactive where people can just log in on their phone. Cause everyone, everyone's, it's funny, people, laptops are terrible, but their phones, they can still use them. So that's what we're still trying to figure out. Maybe like something like, like a FaceTime, I mean, Apple, but Facebook. Facebook live cross distribution. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe something like, I don't know. So yeah, I think it's, So let's go a little further down here and to think about like Zoom fatigue. You know, that's just like a a new term. Do you see people like getting Zoom fatigue on stuff like that? Totally. Just just in general. No, Zoom Zoom fatigue is huge. So besides having my abstract agency business, my day job is I work for The Knot Worldwide, which is a, The Knot Worldwide owns The Knot, The Bump, The Nest, Hitched, and they our uh, primary users are people who are looking to get married. They have a registry, they have wedding planning, guest planning, the bump, they're having a baby. And our team was based in New York, Austin, London, but with COVID-19, we all had to go remote. And depending on the manager style, there are some managers and different team leaders who lived in the conference room. And what happened before was they could just rally everyone to a conference room but trying to replicate that and have everyone on Zoom, it's very exhausting. And so now I've had to push back on certain team leaders and say, unless this meeting has a clear agenda or outcome, I'm not going to come to that meeting anymore. And in my business, even now, I used to have clients and I started to try to push back on clients who wanted to have a phone call every day because I realized like, wait a minute, if I'm going to grow my business and I'm going to train employees and I'm going to hire a team, I can't be on phone calls all day. I don't make, mm-hmm. you know, even if I charge a thousand dollars an hour, I could be making $2,000 by teaching someone what I do and having them replicate my services and charge, you know, $2,000 an hour and double that money. But if I'm on a call, I can't do that. And so zoom fatigue is not only, you know, it's a problem, but it's, it's inefficient, right? Um, you, you know, you could sit and write an email or a really well thought blog post or documentation or, uh, you know, to anyone and then 1000 people can read it. You can't have the same kind of engagement of like, you know, hey, like sit on this call and like listen to me present, right? And the same thing Mm -hmm. too, like I think it's the same thing with like virtual events. Like I have fatigue where I just sat on calls for four hours today. Now I'm going to go and sit on a four-hour conference for a virtual event, right? And I feel like that kind of like, it's exhausting. And so I almost now, I will watch the replays later but put them on while I'm making dinner, put them on while I'm like, you know, put them on when they're convenient for me. And so, yeah, so that's like zoom fatigue is a huge problem. And I think it's a, it's going to be something that people who are team leaders, but also are going to need to learn how to self-observe and help their team understand why it's not, Oh, you don't always need a meeting and how to communicate asynchronously freelancer at 6 PM, which might be 6 AM for them on the other side of the world. And they say, Hey, can you fix this? The guy says, yes, I can fix it. And then the guy comes back at their 6, 6 a.m. and says, hey, can you answer these questions? And there's this overlap. Asynchronous communication is front-loading your thoughts and saying, hey, I want to fix this. I was trying to do this. I saw this. I expected this. I was on this environment at this time. This is the URL. This is a screenshot. This is a video. If you need access to this, this is this. If you need access to this, this is this. You give that to someone 
And all of a sudden, like, it's like, you know, like they don't have to come back to you. You can go to sleep at 6 PM and know they got the job done. Right. And it's a learning. It's kind of like stand up comedy. Every single time you tell a joke, it may not be funny the first time you work on that comedy. Right. And the same thing I tell people like, so asynchronous communication and the way I learned that actually when I was trying college, I went to Penn state and I went, um, I did the remote. Yeah. yeah. It's done. (laughs) Um, and so Penn State has a great online program and I took their online infrastructure. It was like database, it was a networking 300 course and we had to develop a mesh network for a retirement home. We had to okay. put together a proposal, put together a technical specification and that was fine and all. And it's going to get at that in the networking class. But because we were a remote learning environment and they wanted to prepare us for the future, my one person, she was a database manager for Oracle based in Bangalore. Uh, my one person was a data B, a DBA data, uh, database administrator in California. And the other guy was a Navy corpsman going for his SRA college degree in security risk analysis, similar tech thing, who is based on a submarine in Korea. And he had, he was only above water one day a week. Huh. And we had to work on a 200 page document, technical spec, whatever. And so that really forced me, this is when Google Docs was still nascent and like, you, you know, and so collaboration was great. So what we did was we would say, hey, we did all the research for you. Like, here's the, here's the five PDFs. We you know, printed out these five things about like how database architecture works. We would print out documentation, print to PDF, of course, right? We can't send in papers via submarine. And then you would take all those documents, go underwater, and he would turn them into like five pages of a technical specification. And then he would put in the comments of like where he's confused, where he needs clarity. We'd give him that feedback or we'd do a one hour call and they'd go away for another week. And I would say he did not do any less work than any person on the team. But because wow. we as a team agreed to, well, we're going to do research. We're going to, you're, you're going to get assets. You're going to do the outline. And he's going to take, you know, and translate that into, you know, whatever the 25 pages that he was assigned. And that really helped me, you know, an asynchronous communication is like, is, you know, if you, and that again, like, I think we said at the beginning of the call, like if it was so easy to hire overseas and work remotely, then IBM and Google and Twitter would not have us employees. Do you think they want to pay people 250,000 a year to live in New York city? No. Mm -hmm. It's just that it would take more resources to figure out how to get everyone to be asynchronous. So would you suggest, I love this. I think this is brilliant. I mean, I think everybody listening should go back and listen to what he just said three or four times, because I think this, I mean, I could see now like problems that I have with my um, staff because we're we're all out of the office comes from, you know, know, this type of asynchronous communication. Like I know I told my designers, I says, don't text me, hey, or hi, you know, tell me what you want. You know, so I don't have to reply back. Yes, I'm here. What What do you want? You know, and then they say, "Do you think a form or anything like this can you can can you come up with something that you know you could have like a process that says this is what I've tried, this is what I'm doing." You know, so it's it's iterative. It's it's totally iterative, right? I mean, okay. so so like in my day job, and so before I was at the Not Worldwide, I was at Dow Jones. And so, and it's not just unique to freelancers. So a lot of like what I learned in my freelance life, I brought to Dow Jones and I brought to the Not Worldwide. And that's actually when I got hired, I wasn't looking for a job three years ago when Dow Jones hired me. I was doing okay freelancing, but I was like, can I keep my job to experiment? And they were like, yeah, because a lot of the WordPress stuff I do, I can do faster. You know, I can knock out a project, try something new in 12 weeks. Whereas at a corporation, I have to get approvals. But, you know, one of the things that I, when I, 
at the not worldwide, I'm, I'm one guy right now on and building out an analytics program. Same thing at Dow Jones. I was like one guy having a, anytime there's something where I have to repeat a conversation, I create a form or I create a text snippet. So I go and look at like, what am I doing? Like, so, so one of the big things I get like with uh, at any of my jobs is we're dealing with access requests. And the easiest thing to do is to set up a form in Google Sheets and tell people, hey, fill out this form. And because some people will email me, hey, I need access to Google Analytics. Okay, who are you? <laughs> what website? Who's your manager? What's your division? And that the same thing happens with clients where I've had clients, you know, where they will introduce me. And so for clients, I try to nip this differently because with a big, with, an, with a team, if you have your same team member asking you, like you have a freelancer, hey, I need access to this, hey, I need access to that. And that's a new freelancer you hired then you should know you need an onboarding checklist, right? And so when you hire a freelancer, you say, okay, here's access to this, here's access to that, here's access to this. And then you go through it with them, you onboard them in one hour. Now, you know, they have access to everything they need. And that's like a V1. You could simply do that, just onboard them, an onboarding checklist. A V2 of that would be to move all of your applications to SSO, meaning like single sign-on, something like Okta, where like you, they, you add them to your Google suite and they get access to everything they need based on user groups. And so, so Google, there's actually a plugin for WordPress called G Suite Login, and it uses Google Groups to synchronize to your WordPress websites. So the minute you terminate an employee or an employee leaves or a freelancer leaves, you just turn off that account and they lose access to everything. And so that's, so there's three, you know, that's three ways to solve it. Onboarding checklists, form requests, or SSO, whichever one's going to work for you. SSO can be complicated. That's actually a lot of companies like Notion, which is a great note-taking software. It goes from $0 per user to $25 per user when you want to use an SSO. And that can add up quick. Um, but yeah. if you're a large organization, SSO is the way to go. Now, on, on the other side, that's internal. Clients, I would have a client that would introduce me to third parties all the time. Hey, this is Brad. Okay. He's in our marketing department. He wants to talk to you about SEO. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's in the proposal. Right. But he wants to make sure that you did X, Y, and Z. Oh God. Now we're having to re-educate this whole new guy, re-educate this whole team. And that's why if, you know, we're both in WP Elevation, but I guess if you are on the yeah. call, don't know what that is. It's like a business practice course for, um, for WordPress professionals. And, you know, they even say all key stakeholders must be in the room for proposal presentation. But the one thing they don't talk about is that you're constantly having to prove your love. It's like almost like being in a relationship, right? You can't put the <laughs> ring on it and then start being the guy on the couch, you know, throwing junk everywhere and smelling. You got to, you know, you got to like, you got to make, you got to show the love, right? Love is action. And so uh -huh, the same uh -huh. thing with clients, you constantly have to. And so I ended up doing this thing where now, you know, we don't allow clients to text. We don't allow clients to, you know, whatever. And we do emails and we, we BCC email to JIRA. And in our agreement, in the onboarding process for clients, we say no third parties. We do not want to talk to third parties. If you need to get information from the third party, you are in charge of contacting the third party. And then sometimes you get clients, you get flustered. Well, I don't know what to ask for. And that's where snippets come in. You should be using something like an Alfred text expander, or even a notepad where you store all these snippets. And so we have snippets of, hey, like, you know, I'll have clients, they don't, and again, they don't know, and this is for smaller clients, which I try to stay away from now. I try to work more with enterprise. Smaller clients will email you and say, hey, I tried to get into our Facebook. I got kicked out. What do I do? I'm building your WordPress mm -hmm. website. Why would I know that? But they, you know, sometimes clients, they think you're their web guy and that's a dangerous uh -huh. place to fall into. So when I, when I was falling into that place, which is why I joined WP Elevation to not be in that place anymore, I wanted to learn about that. 
And I said, um, now I have a canned email that says, hey, sorry to hear that. That's not covered in your scope of work. However, here's a link to Facebook's you know, particular topic. And so we have one of those. And so it's almost like um, on a, we do a retro after every project and, we and I take all of the, the things that we got asked where we were challenged, I turn them into text expander snippets. So text expander, it's, you, you showed me this and I've downloaded it and I, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that I haven't gone past actually creating any text snippets, but that's on my to-do list because it was so cool what you showed me, but how it works. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a service you sign up. I think it's like $3 a month, but yep. you could type in like just a couple letters and it'll fill in like a whole kind of thing. Yeah. Like, so I have, so as a marketer, right. Cause I do marketing for my own agency. I have. X, so you prefix it with something you would never type. So I do X bio, X address, X phone number, or X phone, X call. So if I do X bio, it automatically spits out my 250 character bio. If I do X call, it puts my Calendly link. If I do X LinkedIn, it gives my LinkedIn address. Because I, how many times do you go www.google.com, linkedin.com, find your profile and paste it to somebody? Then you have a hundred tabs open. Then you go to say, oh wait, which tabs do I actually need? And then you're using that mental capacity to go through all those tabs. And so it's just, so, so Text Expander, uh -huh. the one thing Text Expander does, it does have an option where if it notices you typing things over and over again, it will recommend it for privacy reasons. I just don't like that. Um, but so like, I just notice things where like, and the way I also do it too, is if I notice that a team member keeps asking me, hey, what do I say about this? turn it into a text expander snippet. And the other thing too is like, don't only put it to text expander, put it into an FAQ, an internal FAQ. And so if you put it, you know, and the nice thing is like text expander synchronizes with like Google, this is like an advanced one. You could synchronize text expander snippets with Google Sheets, and then you can take those Google Sheets and embed it into like Notion. So that way your team gets all the snippets that you use, and then you still have all, cause like not everyone, you know, uses text expander. They might just want it in a Google Sheet. And so it's just like having a single source where you can constantly maintain and update those things. No, now Notion's pretty cool. First, I want to go back to that. So key point here that I think we made, like if you're going to have a conversation more than once, you know, uh, ha have a form in Google Sheets or have a text snippet using something like Text Expander, which I think is, you know, brilliant. You know, yeah. I think, um, yes, I think that's something that I need to start doing. I need to, after this call, I'm going to make a dedication to get Texas Band of working this weekend. But even so. I would say like the other thing too, the way to think about like, you don't have to, because I think the problem is like a lot of people, as you're writing things, you don't remember to use them. But I think it's important to have like in this, like there's like a field of project management called Agile Scrum. They have something called a retro. You should, I tag, I actually set up in Gmail tags per client. So I'll do like client.com, right? And I'll say all emails that have to client.com, tag them as client A or something, right? Or client guy or whatever. And then what I'll do is I will, at the end of the project, go through those emails and see where they asked a question. And so like, you know, I'll say, what do I do with my DNS? How do I do this? Why is this? How is that? You should, you know, like every time you have a conversation, every time, even before this call, we were talking, right? And we were mm -hmm. saying like, hey, what do you do about this? Hey, what do you do about that? It's like, you should look at, and I'm sure you could sit down right now, the way to get started, what are the top 10 objections you get from a client pre-sales? What are the top 10 questions you get from a client in mid-production? And what are the top 10 questions you get from a client after a project's done, right? Write those down and write an email to that fake client. And now you have, you have 30 snippets. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so when a client goes like, 
Why does it cost so much? X cost. Why, you know, um, why should I hire you? X hire, why, why me? Right. And then you literally just like X, 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 boom, boom. You have like a, you wrote a book for them practically. Right. And, and all you do is a bunch, bunch of commands. Cause it, to be honest, like most of the questions I get are not unique. Why should I hire you? Why do you use WordPress? What do we do after the site's done? How do I, you know, what does a retainer cost? And, and all those things, you're just repeating yourself. And so it's like content, you know, it's key, making sure you're building that out. I, yeah, I, I love that. So just your, your top, and, and then it looks like then you can get back to clients so much quicker and you seem to be so much more in the ball when they think there is so, you, they think you're spending all this extra time with them when you're just, you know, snipping it. Let's talk a little bit. Your claim to fame, one of your many claims to fame is a billboard in New York City. Yeah, so, that was it. I, I didn't even know that was happening until they told me about it. Yeah, it's pretty damn cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's from Upwork because you were, you, you had such success on Upwork. Now, I think when people start getting into being freelancers nowadays, you know, and maybe in the recession, do you think Upwork is a good place to get business from right now? So I, I think Upwork is just like, that's the kind of asking me, do you think it's good to run Google ads right now? Right. <laughs> and, and it's always a good time to be marketing. Right. And yep. the thing about the recession, and I hope people take this lesson away, the time to start marketing, like, you know, I, I would have clients and I would say, Hey, we need to put, you know, and now like I'm getting to a point where like with websites, I almost have a recipe of, of like, here's things you need to do. I'm like, you need to put the Facebook pixel and the Google analytics pixel and the Google ads pixel. And they say, we don't have any of those accounts. We're not advertising. And I say, okay, are you aware that Black Friday advertising starts Cyber Monday? Meaning the weekend after Black Friday is over, you should start preparing for the next Black Friday. Because how many people get like a barrage? And not only that, there's many reasons for that. Email, your sending score goes down. People don't realize MailChimp has those stars, active campaign has sender rating. The less you email people, if you build an email list of 3,000 people and only, only email on Black Friday, it's going to trigger spam triggers. People aren't going to interact with it. They're not going to remember oh. your brand. And so the same way too, like I see it, like it doesn't hurt to have an upward profile, right? And it doesn't hurt to have like, you know, a Fiverr profile. And in reality, when you Google and like I'm very proud, so Victor Ramirez is the John Smith of Latino names. If you, <laughs> if you Google Victor Ramirez, I'm, a, I'm like a serial killer in California, an artist <laughs> from Puerto Rico a soccer player. There's 3000 Victor Ramirez registered in the state of New York to vote. But when you Google Victor Ramirez, nothing comes up. When you Google Victor Ramirez WordPress, I rank very highly. And the way I did that was by having a profile on Upwork, having a profile on Twitter, having all these places. And so Upwork, again, is just a marketing channel, right? Um, the oh. only thing that Word, the only thing that Upwork does though, is they market themselves. So by having an Upwork profile and having, so it's almost like LinkedIn, right? If, mm -hmm. you know, and I tell people like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I signed up for LinkedIn premium, but I didn't see the value. I'm like, well, you're updating your profile every week. They're like, no, 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 I didn't see the value. I was like, you're missing the point. The whole point of the $30 a month that you pay for Upwork premium as an employee is analytics. And what you can do is constantly iterate your profile, like add like new job, update your job title, add keywords. And you can start to see who viewed your profile. That's like what you pay for, Right. And when you get who viewed your profile, you end up getting this like view of like, okay, 100 recruiters viewed your profile. And at this one point LinkedIn, when I was playing, right? yeah, when I played with LinkedIn at one point, I ranked number one for React 
WordPress developer in the New York City region. And every single recruiter, when they would call, I go, how'd you find me? They're like, I typed React WordPress into LinkedIn and you were number one. And not only that, they were like, they didn't know that I am a marketer. They just thought I was that good of a developer and that, you know, prominent in the community. Same thing with Upwork, right? My Upwork reviews, people go and find my Upwork profile and they will contact me outside of Upwork. A lot of the times I tell them to go back to Upwork because Upwork, the nice thing is they hold your account in escrow and do account disputes. So for newer clients, I get nervous because people are like, hey, I want to hire you. I'll pay you X dollars an hour. And, you know, like they don't want to put a deposit down. And that's the one thing I'm like, no, you know what? I'm good on that. And so um, but with Upwork, <laughs> Upwork is kind of just a mar- Don't think Upwork's going to solve your problems, but it's something like, it's like maintaining a LinkedIn. You modify your profile, you update your profile, you make sure it's keyword friendly. And they're doing a lot of things now where they are trying to help, you know, look like, like I said before, if Google, if be hiring remote people was so easy, Google would not hire any Americans. And so it's very, if you are someone who like lives in the States and you are, or you know, like live in, like, you know, live in a, anywhere. You could live anywhere in the world, right? You can target people in your market or other markets. And if you can like speak clearly in your profile, you know, define your profile, make sure it's easy to find, put the right keywords in there, then you will get found on there. And even then it helps your SEO. And that's actually how I ended up on the billboard was I was just ranking so high and doing so well. I think I did that one year, 150,000 for a year on Upwork. And that was just one part of my business. And they said, Hey, can we use your picture in advertising? I said, yes. And I didn't realize when they had their IPO, they put me on a billboard An interesting story. They are constantly iterating products now where if you go on Upwork and you do well enough, they will invite you to private programs. So I'm on their private enterprise program where I get invited to jobs that are not advertised on their website because I had a certain ranking and I'm in New York city. And you know, like there's like big fortune 500 companies, you know, like $30 million companies, hundred million companies finding me on Upwork and then like hiring me privately via Upwork representatives. And so even, but the only thing I would say about Upwork, just like anything else, you have to be careful because the reason I think people have a bad experience with Upwork is they all say, yeah, I went on Upwork. I took the guy's job and then, uh, we never got anything done. And he gave me a bad review after eight hours of work. And what I tell people is just like when someone comes to me, Hey, I want to hire you to maintain my website, run ads, do this, do that. I'm like, okay, let's back up. What's your number one problem? What could we do in two weeks that would like, you know, of all, all of all these problems, what could we do in two weeks? Okay. We can do in two weeks. I think I can do 10 hours of work for you. That will be at a 75 to $120 an hour. It's $750. Um, at the end of those two weeks, if you're happy now, I always pick, I don't tell them this, but make sure you do this, pick an easy win. So I had a client who had a WooCommerce website and WooCommerce mm. is a slog on GoDaddy. It's just not good. GoDaddy is great for smaller sites, but I, I find their WooCommerce environment because it's not on PHP 7, it's not optimized. Liquid Web has, and I don't know if Chris Lemma is going to listen to this later, but uh, <laughs> Liquid Web has the, or Christina Chernos, they have the, it's just like set it and forget it. So I had a client. She came in with a WooCommerce website and I was like, look, you're on GoDaddy. It's not great. She goes, I don't want to move to a host. I already paid $500 up front for GoDaddy, blah, blah, blah. You know, she was fighting me tooth and nail. Mm-hmm. I said, look, you don't have to pay for a year up front. I don't think you should anyway. I would never pay for hosting up front. The $50 you save is not worth the risk of that host going out of business. I actually, no single point of failure, but that's me as a crazy IT person. However, <laughs> I told her sign up for monthly. And if it isn't, doesn't blow your socks off. I'll move it back for free. I'm just going to move your site over WooCommerce. Uh, WooCommerce over to Liquid Web. We moved her over to Liquid Web. Her backend administration, service, everything, you know, I think we cut, it was 10 times faster. 
And mm-hmm. when then when she, you know, when she got the bill for $750, now some of them like, you charge $750 for migration? Because I told her, I'm going to do a speed test before and after. I'm going to go and do a file, you know, using, I use this tool called Transmit FTP to make sure all the files appeared where they're supposed to, that all the uploads came over. I'm going to do like, and then by the way, Liquid Web offers visual regression testing. So I'm going to update all the plugins and do visual regression testing. I'm going to run some, you know, dummy transactions. Now she doesn't know that I'm using automated tools. So it took me all of, you know, um, it really only took me seven hours, which I built her, you know, the 7,520 an hour. And, and, you know, and then all of a sudden that client, they gave me a great review, but mm-hmm. I didn't like the client. I didn't want to work with them again. They were just a little too communicative. They wanted to talk every day and that's not my style. And so at the end of the project, and I didn't, you know, I didn't ever said, I'm not going to work with you again. I just said, Hey, I want to do a two week project with you. Let's do it. I'm going to give you a win. Got a five-star review. And then I said, Hey, you know what? I'm busy in other projects not available right now. And I was able to exit. Mm-hmm. But when you take an upward project, do not take so- anything where someone promises you three to six months of the work. Convince them and even tell them. And I even, and Upwork says this. Upwork says, make sure you close jobs so you get good reviews. So I tell them, hey, I'd love to do a three-month project. But to let you know, Upwork gives me a score, which is true. I'm, tell- I'm telling the truth. If I don't get regular reviews, I don't rank. So can we do a two-week project? And they'll say, oh, yeah, sure. I'd love to help. Great. Do the two-week project. And that's it. Do a win. Do a migration from like GoDaddy to LiquidWeb, 10 times that. Do a landing page, $500, great. And, and, and get the experience. And so it's almost like a first date. You both are trying each other out, right? Yeah, it's it's almost like the first, part. it's a sample. And so that way you make money. And, and, and what happens is, let's say you do 10 samples, 10 $500 projects. You may not make any more money than that for a year on Upwork. But when people Google you and they see your Upwork profile, it says 100% rating on Upwork and all these reviews. So I'll even have people say to me, hey, um, my team wants to do due diligence. We don't like having your reviews. I'm like, why don't you go to my Upwork profile and read the reviews? Why don't you go Google Victor Ramirez WordPress and see all the comments on all my meetups and everything I did? So I'm not going to tell you why to work. And that's actually the response. My text expander snippet of why work with me is Google Victor Ramirez WordPress and then you can we can talk. <laughs> I, I literally say that. And if you can get, and that's how I got to that point. Well, Victor, this has been great. I'd love to talk to you more about this kind of stuff, but I know we're, we're in New York and there's a curfew going on and you got to get yep. some groceries for this weekend. So I'm, I'm going to, crazy times, man. We live in crazy times. So yeah. this helps some people. Yeah, for sure. So, but, but thanks for coming on and sharing that. I think that what you just nailed on right there is a great way to leave because it's, you know, you have premium positioning and you were able to, you were able to show them, you know, an e-commerce website where you're able to increase their speed and lower and lower their cost and increase their profits. 750 was nothing to them. You know, exactly. you were able to do something that was going to give them a much higher end value. And it was, they were doing $500 and say, or sorry, they have a $500 product that they sell 20 times a week. And I literally told her, if we can get you one more transaction a week, $500 a week times, you know, 50 is 25,000 a year. And probably does more than that. Yeah. So she was probably bending over backwards. She gave you a five-star review for being $750 for a migration that there's some hosting companies that will do migrations for free. Well, that but the thing, but is, the, my, the, right. But again, the migration hosting for free, then when you're like, hey, I have a database error, they disappear. That's the one yeah, thing I'll yeah. warn people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like you were able to show the value because everybody's out there. I have to be so cheap. I have to be so cheap. I have to show cheap. So cheap, but you were able to show the value and get the higher price. Yeah. So and that's and I, that's, and I also put my I put my butt in the line because I said I'd refund her. That I mean I would I said I'll move it back, you know, and I won't charge you the money. Like I'm guaranteeing. Mm-hmm. Putting, and I had had the experience with Liquid Web, and I knew it. I knew it would work, and it was great. Yeah, fantastic. Well, um, 
So, Victor, if, if people want to get a hold of you, how, how, would, how would they find you? Google, Google Victor, Ramirez Victor Ramirez WordPress. WordPress. <laughs> I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Um, Twitter is like my favorite little haunt. And, you know, and then also if they Google Victor Ramirez WordPress and they liked what I was saying, I do have, and again, Black Friday marketing starts Cyber Monday. It is marketing when I am involved in the WordPress community and speaking at WordPress meetups, doing this podcast right now. I do it because, you know, net, you know, we met at WordCamp Miami and, we, yeah. you know, we got along and we're in the same group, but this is marketing. And so don't mm-hmm. think, don't start marketing when there's a recession, you know, start immediately and don't see it as like, look, you may not, you're not going to, maybe you're not going to become a millionaire in the middle of this recession, right? But there's a long game out there, right? And the long game is stay active, stay involved, stay in community. And it's going to, you know, like by paying it forward, it's going to come back, right? And it may not lead to the road you Mm -hmm. think. It may not lead to you becoming a big agency owner. It may lead to like myself, like I don't own a multi-million dollar agency. I own a small agency, but I'm allowed to work that agency because I built such a skill set that I'm in demand to be hired, where I can pick and choose the job that I want, location agnostic. Not many people can say that. And the one thing too is like, I guess I got a final thing. You know, the one topic I, my girlfriend and I talk about, um, there's, um, the project management triangle and the project management triangle is quality, speed, cost. And if you high cost, you, you know, you choose two and the other one's going to suffer. So essentially if you're like, you want it fast, you want a high quality, it's going to be very expensive. Well, I tell people there is like the job satisfaction triangle. And so I think a lot of people, they expect their job to give them all the fulfillment. And I say, they're, you know, all millennials, right. Want to, and I'm a millennial, they want to save the dolphins, make a hundred thousand a year and go home at 4 PM. And <laughs> what I tell people is, look, if you are working a job where you make a hundred thousand a year and you go home at 4 PM, save the dolphins on your time. Right. And, and then like, and if, and if you're, if you, you know, if you're saving the dolphins and you're going home at 4 PM, but you're only making like, you know, 50,000 a year or 80,000 a year, like that's okay because you work for what you want, right? You don't have to be like a millionaire. Like that's not everyone's goal. Find what works for you. I'm very blessed where I work a job where I, you know, make good money. I have a work-life balance and I love what I do, but if you can get that, but again, if you can get two out of those three, and that's like the same thing with having an agency, being a freelancer, Mm -hmm. don't, you know, think about, am I doing work? I love, am I making decent money? And then, you know, like find other stuff out there and, and like try to put your efforts towards that. And that way, because it's a hard time and I, but I think everyone's going to get through it. And as long as you understand that your job and your business should not, it is a, it is a means to an end, but if it can be everything, that's cool, but don't, don't, don't think about it just as that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I think that's the dream of, I think that's, the, I think that's, you know, like things people want to become a freelancer for those reasons, but then they hit all the hard times. And, um, because and I think if you listen to, if you go back and listen to everything Victor is saying here, it's on a strategy book to get through the hard times and succeed in hard, good. And I love that answer. You said, it's like, it's like, is it a good time to be up right? Uh, advertising being on Upwork. It's always a good time to be doing this kind of stuff. And that's, yeah. yeah. Just doing it strategically. And again, like it doesn't cost anything to be on Upwork, right? Whereas mm-hmm. Google ads cost money. And so, like I said, just. If you can get a $500 job or like even like a $100 job, do it and just get it done, get a review, get ranked. And, and then I'll Google you. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, Victor. Appreciate your time. That was the Profit and Impact Podcast with Nev Harris. For a full recap of this show or for more info on making more profit and impact with your agency or freelance business, visit nevharris.com. 
If you liked this episode, show us some love. Give us a rating and comment over on iTunes and help Nev get the message out to more agency owners and freelancers. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.